Welcome to Eye to Eye, the podcast of the Royal College of Ophthalmologists. My name is Sunil Mamtora, and I will be your host. In this episode, we speak with Vidushi Golash, a trainee from the Kent Surrey and Sussex Deanery, about her experience of virtual clinics. So Vidushi, thank you very much for joining me today to talk about your perspective on how your hospital's running things. Are you on the ocular plastics firm at the moment? Yes, that's right, Sunil. Thank you for the introduction. Yes, I currently work in Maidstone Hospital. It's a district general hospital in Kent. We are an ophthalmology unit serving around a thousand patients, outpatients a week. So uh, a moderate-sized unit, perhaps quite relatable for the majority of our colleagues nationally. Uh, And yes, currently I'm on the ocular plastics team. Sure. And so what's been happening in your unit with regards to the COVID-19 crisis? In our units, we've been quite fortunate as trainees to continue providing an an ophthalmology service. We have the the casualty service running um, as usual. And then in clinics, we've really tailored how we do these consultations. There are very few sort of necessary face-to-face consultations. But what's quite exciting is uh, the tele-consultation aspect. So the phone and the video clinics, which I've been quite lucky to be involved in. I just want to sort of take this chance to actually uh, give a big shout out to the colleagues nationally that have been you know on the covid response at the front line uh, and i think everybody has their like part to play in this team but yes luckily in our trust and our unit as trainees and all of us ophthalmology team have been able to continue providing a, a very adapted oculoplastics and ophthalmology service actually which i can hopefully tell you a little bit more about so that sounds really interesting especially with regards to what you mentioned about teleophthalmology and virtual clinics So how have you been managing to do virtual clinics and see your oculoplastic patients? It's been quite a sort of rapid timeline of uh, of innovation, to be honest, uh, and great teamwork. We had an informal chat uh, in sort of end of March, just within our team. So my consultants, uh, Sarge Athwell and Mona Kondwala, uh, they've been quite key to this. We had just a casual team discussion and a week later, our IT team had already set up the equipment and the user accounts for the remote consultation software. And just three days after that, uh, on the 9th of April actually, was when we had our first video consultation in ocular plastics in our unit. So from like skin to skin, as it were, uh, the process took just under two weeks. And it's been um, a very sort of stimulating time uh, for the team to to innovate a new service, um, a whole kind of system redesign, and that too so rapidly. Um, at Maidstone, I think we've been very fortunate to, to have a very proactive IT team and quite forward-thinking, like, trust chief exec to allow these video consultations to, to happen so uh, effectively and so quickly. And... I just want to really highlight how it's been set up very quickly with very sort of, you know, few resources, uh, quite light on personnel. And it's not actually required uh, a large scale investment or like complex facilities. Um, And that sort of surprised me, actually. I guess my main point is that with the right support, uh, all of our ophthalmology colleagues, including the trainees anywhere, can be involved in system redesign and sort of innovation. That's amazing because, you know, traditionally, whenever you think of fast-moving implementation, NHS isn't the organisation that comes to mind with regards to that. But I think it does show, you know, this crisis has shown up and down the country how quickly the NHS is able to adapt, especially in a crisis. And I think people have pulled together in amazing ways. 
And I think your example is just, you know, one example of many, many examples where that's the case. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, virtual consultations and teleophthalmology and video consultations. Mm -hmm. Do you mind me asking which software you've been using for that? So from a technical aspect, um, the remote platform we're using is called Attend Anywhere. And, and I have no kind of vested interest myself, but it genuinely is a, is a wonderfully simple and effective web-based platform. It's, I think, quite familiar to uh, many people up and down the country in terms of many trusts um, and people are getting more uh, sort of used to its uh, expansive um, potential in the different departments. Um, aside from that platform, the Attend Anywhere, we just need sort of trust desktop computers, some good quality webcams, often quite affordable. And so far, our internet bandwidth at work has been uh, more than sufficient. And in fact, the trusts are already sort of investing in that to uh, allow it to support uh, a larger scale of, of virtual clinics uh, across the hospital. And then, of course, on the patient side, all they need is just a smartphone or any device with a camera and connection to the internet because the platform itself is web-based. So I think that's kind of the, you know, the beauty of it, actually. You, you don't need anything too extravagant. And it's really helped us provide a very effective teleconsultation service. I mean, that's really interesting. Traditionally, I've always thought of video consultations as being used you know, in general practice. In ophthalmology, we're normally used to examining patients on mm -hmm. a slit lamp. So I think there could be some reservations from clinicians as to the utility of examining a patient through them using their own webcam. You know, I think in ocular plastics, potentially you might see a lot of patients who might be in more of an elderly demographic as well. So there's quite a lot of obstacles I could imagine to using video consultations. Mm. H have you found any particular issues or do you have to be quite careful about how you select which patients are appropriate for this kind of consultation? That's, uh, there's some quite interesting points you say there actually, um, both the, the challenges and also the patient selection and especially that sort of uh, remote examination uh, aspect with, with the webcams. I, I can vouch for Ocular Plastics having you know, worked in, in this firm for a little while now and having done about a month's worth of video consultations. It, it's surprising actually how uh, sufficient the video quality has been. I think Ocular Plastics is quite unique in that it is such a visual speciality, subspeciality, but it's, it's been you know, more than adequate for, for us with the patient having often just their everyday smartphone and us having what I think is you know, quite sort of uh, average as such you know, technology equipment. You ask about patient selection in particular, and um, we've had some interesting learning points from this actually, because the breadth of patients involved uh, in our virtual clinics has already changed over the last month. Initially in the oculoplastics clinics, we began using video consultations as a way of, of triaging the new referrals. Uh, you know, the potential BCCs or the tropians. However, the patient feedback was just so like promising and the whole platform so easy to use that we were encouraged to roll it out across the whole sort of oculoplastics clinics. So now we are able to offer every oculoplastic patient, regardless of their, you know, condition or if they're new or follow up, a preference between telephone or video consultations and we've been collecting this data actually for the patient responses which is which is quite interesting to to hear so just quickly to remark 52 patients have been called individually personally by our booking clerks and only seven of them actually preferred telephone over video mm. uh, and that was largely due to them perceiving that they didn't have the right technology and i put an emphasis there on 
their perception because where yes that was true occasionally we soon learned that to engage with the patients better uh, using familiar words such as smartphone ipad or laptop felt more um sort of familiar again as opposed to webcam and their patient perception was suddenly quite different as well but oh okay yeah that's how I actually FaceTime my grandkids of course I'll jump on a you know video consultation so that's just a, a, a sort of an interesting learning point which we hadn't sort of foreseen before another sort of uh, point about patient selection perhaps uh, very relevant going forward is in, in general I think regardless of age um, or condition patients do deserve the option of having this point of care moved from the hospital to home, especially mm. if, if clinically it's relevant. Um, and the patient groups that come to mind straight away, especially in oculoplastics, include the routine post-ops because their outcome's quite uh, sort of subjective. Even the new referrals sometimes, and as you hinted at before, some sort of slit lamp photography devices can, can help with this. And then lastly, also patient preference, we can't forget. So where we currently have like a choose and book electronic system, I think in the near future, um, I, I imagine patients being able to select not only an appointment date and time, but also whether they would like a face-to-face -face telephone or video consultation. And I think that's kind of how we're going to go forward with uh, selecting patients for these virtual clinics. You've raised some really, really interesting points. And, you know, it just gets me thinking that a lot of the time when we see patients, whether or not we do anything with regards to their management is completely dependent on their subjective opinion as to the impact of their condition or disease. And if you could screen for that via video consultation or phone consultation through however platform you choose, you know, you could actually avoid unnecessary visits to hospital and consultations, putting patients at risk of developing, you know, COVID-19 symptoms as well. Absolutely. And I think, I'm sure many of our sort of more experienced consultants will, will have, you know, endless stories uh, with regards to this. But even, even now as trainees, I think it's, you know, sometimes quite clear that patients have been treated as a condition or as a diagnosis, as opposed to a patient or human themselves. And often when you, you know, you step back and look at that wider picture, it just reminds you of why you're, you're doing what you're doing. And in fact, I feel teleconsultations uh, can help address this uh, in some way, because being physically away from the patient places a lot more emphasis on history taking and those essential history taking skills that we often use so lightly when in person and relying on our on our visual examination. So with the teleconsultations, both telephone and video, I found it to be quite refreshing to hear what the patient's true concerns uh, actually are. And I hope this gradually will help us to sort of be more conscious of the holistic patient-centered uh, approach that we take, not just in ophthalmology, but in medical practice as a whole. Sure, I mean, I, I, I'm just thinking back to my own personal experiences when I'm seeing patients in the ocular plastics clinic and a patient's been referred by the optometrist with ptosis. And when you actually ask the patient whether they'd want to have any procedure done for that, they just say to you flat out that this has been the case for many years and they definitely don't want any surgery for it. In those kind of situations, I think bearing these points in mind, if you selecting patients for virtual consultations, I think it could be, a, you know, as you say, a really useful tool to screen out patients who could avoid coming to hospital. 
Yes, yeah, entirely. Often a part of the treatment is actually having that consultation about, you know, the, the reassurance and what the treatment options would be. And sometimes that is, you know, possible to take that into the community, give the patient relevant leaflets about surgical procedures or various things. But actually having a virtual sort of video consultation, uh, not only does it give patients perhaps, you know, more uh, relevant and accurate information for them uh, but also can be uh, you know more reassuring too so it definitely can in some instances replace uh, a face-to-face consultation. And this can actually be applied both ways so you mentioned those patients who are not keen for surgical treatments yet have been somewhat blindly referred to the oculoplastics clinic Um, and on the other hand patients sort of seeking treatments can benefit from an enhanced experience with virtual clinic. Uh, So for example, uh, often our video consultations have provided enough visual information to list patients directly for surgical procedures. And having done this via video consultations, not only have we saved uh, the patient uh, a trip to the hospital, uh, but possibly even reduced their time on the waiting list as they've been listed directly. So there are many ways in which video clinics can can help enhance patient uh, management uh, as a whole. Now, I've actually just thought of another point. You know, I was on the phone the other day to American Express trying to get a refund for some flights that I booked in June, and I just couldn't get through to British Airways no matter what I tried. And the (laughs) call handler said to me that she was working from home uh, and she was in the Philippines. And I thought that was brilliant, you know, obviously due to the COVID-19 crisis. Have you, have any of your colleagues or, you know, consultants or yourself, have you been doing any of these virtual clinics from your own homes? Unfortunately, um, currently in in our department, um, we do our virtual clinics on site and that's largely due to our sort of patient notes system uh, being more of a electronic sort of archive as opposed to a true uh, EPR, especially in oculoplastics. But uh, I do know across, you know, different departments in our own trust, or even nationally, people are able to use this platform, Attend Anywhere, from home. And obviously our GP colleagues uh, are also doing uh, virtual consultations uh, off-site. So I'm sure there's a series of sort of governance and logistical issues to, to sort of climb. But to be honest, that is truly where where we're all heading. Uh, and I'm sure that those that are already doing that have some valuable lessons for for the rest of us who, you know, want to want to get to that that point um uh, it definitely is the way we're going to be working in the future mm. i mean as awful as the covid19 crisis is i think in some respects it's kind of forced and change in practice potentially for the good as well and maybe in the future we'll have some positive outcomes from this with regards to the way we practice as well um so i'm just cu- i'm just curious you know um how long have your consultations been? I mean, you know, when you're trying to look at someone's eyelids, do you often find yourself struggling, you know, with the patient say, oh, move the phone a bit to the left, move the phone a bit to the right, move it a bit forwards or backwards? Or do you find do you find the consultations are, um, you know, much longer than normal due to technical issues at all? Or do you find they're more efficient than normal? Um, that, that's very uh, a very relevant question and quite, quite a pragmatic one, actually. I was under the impression before we started that the virtual consultations would be uh, sort of much quicker and and I think it's uh, fair to say that that's not necessarily the case in all honesty the in-person time clinician patient time has um, often been 
sort of much the same uh, but obviously patients are saving a considerable amount of time traveling and parking and waiting so overall it definitely is more efficient and I feel as we become more familiar with the video consultation service even that you know clinician time uh, will become more efficient too. Interestingly we have been collecting some some numbers on this so maybe this data will help support um, some of these answers. Um, the average video consultation for us in ocular plastics has been around 13 minutes, ranging from one minute to our maximum one was just under 20. And that was for a new sort of complex thyroid eye disease patient. Uh, so the average is, is very much around that sort of 10 to 12, uh, up to like 13 mark. And because of that, we've been able to keep our like clinic template much the same. So the new and patient, the new and follow up patients, sorry, have still the 15 minute slots and it, it's been you know working very well uh, however bear, bear in mind that actually each clinic right now has a mixture of the telephone and video consultations and the telephone consultations are much uh, shorter averaging at around seven minutes so together the, um, the the telephone and the videos making like a mixed modality clinic structure is working very well uh, allowing each patient to be seen you know, in a way that suits them best and with enough time. And I think that's going to be the case going forward as well. And your second point you mentioned about the patient's um, sort of use of technology. It's very true. The way patients uh, have used the software um, and just the, the service in general is quite varied. And with them being such a sort of key stakeholder in the service, it's important for us to identify and address these patient related challenges um, for example, recently, you know, I've experienced people holding the phone like too low or perhaps sitting in the shadow where there's poor light. Um, and, and in fact, in a very endearing way, um, quite recently, I had a patient who put the phone of our video consultation on a chair. So he was on a chair and I was on a chair on a video. Um, and it was it was entirely endearing, but I was too far away and I had to sort of remind him of the, you know, of the way we were doing things. Um, but those things have, you know, been very easily resolved. Um, asking the patient, can you just hold the phone a little closer or perhaps sit in an area with better light? Um, it's, it's nothing, it's quite a human sort of, uh, natural human behaviour and it's not been you know that much of a of a challenge in fact recently as well i've virtually walked patients through how to get set up in the clinic so you know enter your name here or click on that link there and again even spending this time doing that with a patient is not necessarily a challenge it's more of a a sort of an investment uh, on the onset um, I think really as we become more familiar with the service um, people will find their way of using it um, and I think it'll just become more efficient and smoother experience uh, sort of all round yeah yeah I mean even in the future you could even make an instructional YouTube video with instructions for the patient that you could either post a link to or email a link to them before which would which would even improve the efficiency further now I need to just yeah. pick up on one point that you just mentioned there just purely for my interest there uh, you mentioned that one of your consultations, your virtual consultations, was only one minute. Could you tell me about that consultation? Yeah, that's a very, um, very, very valid point you raised there. It was a productive consultation. Uh, she was a middle-aged patient who'd had a ptosis repair, was very happy with the outcome of her surgery and was discharged quite quickly. Excellent. And I mean, in, in real life, you know, you've also saved the carbon emissions from the patient driving to the hospital, paying for parking, waiting yes. in the waiting room. 
and then coming to the consultation. So actually, you know, it's, I think even without the COVID-19 crisis, that's an example of a patient who could even just be telephoned, really. Absolutely. Or, you know, seen seen on a video call. Absolutely, yeah. I think the, the sort of carbon emissions and the eco side of things we haven't uh, sort of touched on. Um, I think that the current COVID uh, crisis has, you know, you know taken the, the forefront there. But it does, all of this innovation does have that silver lining of being um, it's sort of more environmentally friendly too and that's a huge sort of passion of mine so I think yes inadvertently we have been given an opportunity um, not just to you know deal with the current situation um, of social distancing and and sort of public health awareness but but also providing like a large sort of solution to you know the ever-increasing ophthalmology sort of workload that is highlighted multiple times in in various reports um so i think especially as trainees we're in a very fortunate position to be sort of in training right now during all of this and as the sort of next generation well i think it's just quite exciting really to be uh, involved in such sort of projects i just hope that the spirit of sort of teamwork and innovation can really like continue for for all of us nationally i mean it sounds like you've thought about a few of the issues raised in quite a lot of detail and it also sounds like your that your department is also very forward thinking as well what's your vision you know for the near future or even the distant future for changes to the way we run ophthalmology eye services in the in this country with regards to technology and virtual consultations oh uh, you know what's on i i really do think that uh, a lot of us share this vision um so what is our vision for the, for the future of ophthalmology clinics um, it's a more efficient one. It's a more uh, sort of productive one. It is one that allows us to uh, truly give patients the eye care that they need, um, which unfortunately isn't always possible in the in, in the current, or I should say, in the, in the previous um, sort of supply demand. Uh, situation. Um, so to sort of break that down a, a bit more, there will definitely be uh, more involvement of remote consultations, of remote sort of technologies in general, um, you know, remote investigations and a bit more of a seamless data sharing between the community and, and the hospital. Um, there's a huge scope with AI, um, as, as we all uh, are aware. So this, the impact of of the, the current sort of changes happening are absolutely sort of tremendous. And in the, the the near future, so that vision for the near future, as we've touched on, what's more sort of practical for the, for the next few years as we restart this service is, is very much that sort of mixed uh, modality clinic, as we said before, with the different types of consultations. And as these other sort of more complex technologies uh, become more validated and uh, become more available, then I'm sure in our working careers, we'll be seeing the eye examination and the eye health service like in- entirely reinvented. And I think with all this service uh, reinvention will be a change to how we uh, train and-, and teach that will have to be adapted alongside it as well. Uh, because a lot of these skills, as we've mentioned, not just for the teleconsultations, but also uh, research in, in, in using a lot of these technologies and, and validating these things, um, or even uh, in inventing and designing the solutions to our problems, 
they may have to in the future be sort of formally taught and assessed as, as well um, alongside that, that creative spirit. So just as we're assessed right now on portfolio for these in-person consultations, uh, I, I can imagine training uh, being entirely adapted to place some uh, focus on the digital and, and technical aspect that is going to be uh, the, the future for all of us trainees. I mean, I think it's in part due to the massive advancements that we've seen from you know, without mentioning any specific names of companies or manufacturers, but you know, smartphones these days are producing images which are, you know, of absolutely fantastic quality. You know, perhaps in the future we might have a way that patients are able to upload their own images, you know, high quality photographs, uh, to a portal, and you know, saying, you know, is this normal? What do you think this yeah. looks like? These are my symptoms. Filling in a questionnaire. And then rather than the patient having to come to hospital, a clinician can look at the images, look at the photo, look at the answers to the questionnaire and either reassure the patient or have a video consultation or, if needed, bring them to hospital. Yes, yeah, in entirely. I think uh, remote consultations, remote advice um, will be the way forward throughout the NHS, actually, within different uh, specialities. Um, and it's quite interesting, actually, if you think about it, because the way we live our day-to-day -day lives outside of work is so like tech heavy it, it really does involve those say those smartphones you've been mentioning different ways of communication and, and sort of photo and data sharing whereas when we go to work it sort of you just take a few decades back you just step back a few decades I mean and it's um you know I think everybody means very well but previously it was just so difficult to um, allow for any sort of change uh, and innovation although all the ideas were there and all the tech was there physically implementing the change was often the the barrier um, especially for the you know majority of service providers in the district general hospitals and uh, and just nationally in different areas uh, however what we're seeing now I think uh, the real sort of palpable difference is that change is actually happening things are actually being implemented and uh, and just to bring it back to these sort of video consultations that we started with having something like that which has existed for such a long time previously but, but having it now in in the workplace it just makes sense you know it just really completes like the just your your general day as a patient and as a and as a clinician it just sort of just makes sense <laughs> Fidushi, those are some really great points and I completely agree. I have one final question for you though, and that is what advice or tips would you have for listeners just getting started with virtual consultations? I'm sure you'll agree, Sunil, that we're actually all in quite a similar uh, situation where we want to improve uh, you know, the service, not just for that upcoming backlog, but also the future demand. Um, so you ask about tips. I'd say to... Everybody but the trainees in particular, um, that, you know, no matter what your training level or where you are uh, in the country, or where you work, it's very feasible to create these opportunities, um, you know, for your department, for yourselves and, um, and even need such sort of tech related service projects. Um, there's uh, no sort of titles as such required. Uh, simply that uh, sort of enthusiasm and the ideas and that teamwork uh, to really implement these uh, these new changes and the 
the rewards will be felt by not just yourselves and, and the department, but mainly uh, by our patients. And I guess that's why we're, you know, doing what we're doing. So uh, good luck to sort of everybody else out there. And uh, and yes, enjoy it. Anyway, thank you so much, Fiduci, for discussing that with me. It's been really, really interesting. Thank you, Sunil. It's been my, my pleasure entirely. And I really hope that, uh, you know, we can um, all continue to sort of learn from each other and things. So that's uh, it's, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Mm-hmm.